Hey guys, and welcome to episode 47 of the Reviver Cell Podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself Podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 47 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Um, just to let you know, this episode actually was recorded just before Christmas, so if we talk a little bit about that, that's why. Um, and just before I even say that, the interview is with Dr. Jay Tita, and we're talking all about the metabolism, which we'll get into in a minute. But I uh, just want to say I've been having some really, I mean, continues to, to be really... Um, a really strong group uh, in our total gut revival four-day mini course. People are getting some really good results in that. And if you are, if you are dealing with any sort of chronic issues, head on over to www.reviveyourself.co and you can sign up for that. It's all free, and we've been getting some phenomenal results with that. And also, just want to say a big shout out to some of our clients as well. Going through their journeys, they've been getting some huge results um, with, with our 16-week total health reset program and total gut revival program. So it's been brilliant this end i hope you guys are all out there doing really well with your health because uh, i know it can be a minefield out there and it can but you can go into information overload so if you're doing well with your health keep doing it and if you need any sort of advice or any sort of help then don't never hesitate just to give us a shout um you can either email me at ryan at reviveyourself.co or you can head on over to www.reviveyourself.co as well and you can find out lots of free articles there information we've got a free four-day mini course now on to today's episode with Dr. Jay Teeter. Now, today's episode is about something that doesn't really get talked um, about as much as it should because the metabolism is something that affects us greatly every day, uh, whether we're uh, putting weight on or we're getting leaner uh, in terms of keeping a nice, healthy, lean physique, slim physique, I should say, or people want their abs to pop through or muscles, whatever it is, if you're putting on muscle, you just want to keep yourself trim. The metabolism and learn how to manipulate it and work it work it so it works for you is hugely important and a lot of people just think oh, I've got to eat less and exercise more and this is something we're going to be talking about and we're going to be going into into so many different aspects of why it's important to keep your metabolism stoked or at least working for you and not to just drive it down because it's it's an area that a lot of people don't understand and as I said before it's not really talked about that much um, and it really does it means that most people go on a diet and, and then once they come off the diet the 10 pounds that they lost, they just take put it all back on. They probably put on 11 or 12 pounds or 13 pounds, or maybe a stone because they don't understand how to manipulate it. So this is what episode is about. And we're going to go into a lot more stuff as well. Many more topics going to go through. Hard areas for men and women to hit. What is heck? Uh, he's different things for eat more. Um, so I eat less, move more, and then also eat more, move more. There's so many things we're going to. So without further ado, here he is. Here's Dr. Tita. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the Revive Cell podcast. Today's guest is someone I've had, I wanted to actually have on the show for a long time since I heard him speak on another podcast, actually. Um, and he was talking about this four, the four different ways that you can eat and move that can uh, affect your metabolism to get you to remain healthy and lean all year round. And that's Dr. Jade 
Tita. So how are you doing today, Jade? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you, brother? Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Doing really well. We're just having a little chat off off air, and we're just talking about uh, he spits his time between um, the east and west coast, and at the moment you're actually in the cold. So, how is it? It's too cold in Carolina at the moment, or are you actually doing all right? Actually, it's no, it's okay. I just came from Santa Monica, California, which was very warm, and I was expecting it to be freezing here, but it's actually not too bad. So it's about I don't know mid fifties Fahrenheit. Okay, awesome. That's nice. It's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, was over. I was over in New York last last January, and it got got pretty cold. But it wasn't as cold as I was expecting. Some of my friends actually in Canada and stuff saying like minus thirty and stuff. I was like, oh, too cold for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, not for me. Much prefer the uh, bit 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 of sun. But so, um, Doctor well, Jade uh, Tita has got five books out. Maybe more actually at the moment. But all all of your books, Jade, are. Are revolving around metabolism, and the two websites you got going are jtita.com and the metaboliceffect.com. Um, and so, when I heard first heard you you talking, I remember you talking about um, four different ways to get people to lose fat and to keep lean. That was eat less, move more, or exercise more. Eat less, move, uh, exercise less. Eat more, move more, or exercise more, and eat more exercise less and <clears throat> it's quite a uh, it's quite it's, it's quite a good way of thinking about because most people only ever think about eat eat less exercise more and it's something i want to get on to get on to um in in a minute but most of our guests um get into natural health or the alternative world or etc through their own health issues but that wasn't your journey into it was it because you've actually had a, had a medical background so can you just explain to like, the listeners just how you got into it yeah, absolutely. You know, I started out um, very young playing American football, mm-hmm. and that was sort of my introduction into, you know, just the idea of exercise and sport. I fell in love with that. And um, as preparing for that sport, you know, you basically you want to stay fit. So as I got better at it, I started working out and um, that turned into uh, eating better as well for performance enhancement. And by the time I was 15 years old, believe it or not, I was writing exercise and diet programs, mostly exercise, to the people on my football team and a few of the moms of the guys on my football team. And that turned into sort of uh, me studying exercise and fitness all through uh, undergrad, where I studied biochemistry and I paid my bills by you know, being a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was deciding to Uh, go to medical school, which is something I always wanted to do, I realized at that time that at least in the United States, uh, conventional medical programs don't train you in exercise or nutrition. And so here I am with this biochemistry degree, which is really the chemistry of the body and how macronutrients like fat and protein and carbohydrates affect your system. And I was very well versed in health and fitness. And I kind of I kind of ran into this this sort of place where I was really upset, actually, because I was like, what am I going to do now? I do not want to be pushing drugs and surgery. And so I found a, a university uh, in Seattle, Washington, which for those who aren't familiar with, the, with America, it's uh, the northwesternmost portion of the United States up yeah. in Washington State. And uh, that school trained primary care physicians in lifestyle medicine. So the focus was on nutrition herbal medicines, things like that. So I spent six years there going to medical school. And when I came out, I kind of got into this situation where I was like, you know what, I want to teach this stuff. I don't really want to be 
over the counter one on one. I'm going to start writing books. I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to start a fitness company. That company was called Metabolic Effect. And then things just blew up from there. And so now I find myself essentially lecturing to physicians, other physicians, personal trainers, and the lay public on how to understand metabolism because we don't really understand how it works. I mean, most, most people uh, have an abysmal understanding of metabolism. The farthest they get is this eat less, exercise more approach. And maybe they'll get into keto diets and intermittent fasting, but it pretty much always comes back down to what am I going to eat less of and how am I going to get as much exercise in as possible? And that just simply does not work for the metabolism. And it's been proven not to work. And so what we're going to talk about today is the idea of how does the metabolism actually work and how can we construct our lifestyle in a way that actually makes it beneficial over the long run so we don't end up with this lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight scenario. Yeah. So um, say re- rebound, you know, people go on diets and they rebound and actually come back heavier than when they start the diet, but they, they, they lose weight for a certain amount of time and they rebound. And that's one of the things that um, is very, very common. And something you said there, getting to understand metabolism. You also mentioned that, I mean, you've input on your blog that because most medical schools had zero training and neither diet or exercise, and it's saying that we've had a few other medical um, medical doctors come on, they said exactly the same thing, and it's, it's, it's quite fascinating for our listeners to hear it, even every time, like they really don't, it's, it's quite, it is very puzzling, especially if you're doing, it's like someone who's got himself, he's got a degree in it, and people do masters, etc, etc, for them not to do much training, it is, is actually baffling, so... Quickly, Jay, because you've got so many books on it, and we're going to go into metabolism. Where did I mean? Maybe because you were a personal trainer, but where was it that? Because everyone goes into different aspects of 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 uh, maybe training or lifting weights or whatever. But where where was your your fascination um, with metabolism start? When did it Where did it start? It, it started. It started way back in high school for football. You know, it's really, basically yeah. like how, how can you how can you eat and exercise in a way that gets you bigger and faster and stronger for football, but also not fat. Right. Because I didn't, I didn't play, you know, if, you, if anyone who's familiar with American football, it's mm-hmm. different than football in, you know, uh, across the seas. But American football, there's different positions. There's the big fat linemen up S- at the front. Similar, similar to you guess in, in Europe and the UK, rug, rug, say rugby is in terms of you've got big guys, little guys, and there's, there's ones that are strong and uh, other, other, side, other people that have got a scrummage, racing to have in linemen. I mean, I get what you're trying to say to see if people were a broad oversight. Yep, yep, absolutely. And if you think about that, so think about American football, think about rugby, and you think about the idea of some of these guys are just genetically um, built for their particular position, mm-hmm. but they also can eat and exercise in a way that leads to being relatively more bulky or fat or relatively more muscular or leaner and faster. And so I got fascinated with the idea of how can I use exercise and nutrition combined to you know deliver an outcome that I wanted within my own genetic you know sort of propensity. And same with other people. So that's where it started. And that's why I went into biochemistry mm-hmm. in my undergrad training, because I really wanted to understand how to do this. And then, of course, once I got into personal training, it became very much about losing weight and uh, maintaining muscle. Right. And that's where, that's where it became fascinating to me. And then, of course, and I'm sure you know this too, Ryan, and many of your listeners know this, I 
the old way of doing things was I did at one time believe, you know, you just you just eat less and you exercise more and you're just going to lose fat. And Mm -hmm. that is not how the metabolism works. It does not follow some linear, predictable equation. In fact, it works the exact opposite. When you do that, it will react and adapt and push back against you the other way. So what many people don't understand is that their insistence on trying to eat less and exercise more leads to them eventually feeling compelled to eat more and exercise less. So most people don't understand that their under-eating and over-exercising habit leads to their overeating and under-exercising habit. And this is actually the way the metabolism is programmed to work through millions of years of evolution to keep us from starving. And so once you understand that, you have to understand that there's a different way to do it. Now, it can work for some people, and that's why it gets confusing because some everyone knows somebody who followed an eat less, exercise more approach and was able to keep the weight off. At least we hear these stories. Mm -hmm. But those people are in the minority. Most people cannot do that. Their metabolisms will not allow them to do that. And I would say that even the people who can do it, the very few who achieve that, they're actually not eating less and exercising more. They're doing something more like eating less and exercising less or eating more and exercising more. And of course, these terms are somewhat semantic, right? Because it's like you still have to get achieve a calorie deficit no matter what you do. It's just how much of a calorie deficit because the bigger the calorie deficit you have, the more you stress out your metabolism, the more you're going to slow down its metabolic rate, the more you're going to increase hunger and cravings, the more likely you are to gain the weight back later. So what we're essentially talking about is creating a calorie deficit that's big enough to move the dial, but not so big to stress out the system. And in that case, most of the people who make these changes over the long run are actually creating very minor calorie deficits. And they're not always in a calorie deficit, by the way. Sometimes they're slightly up. Sometimes they're at normal calorie levels. Sometimes they're slightly down. But the way they live their life is slowly tracks downward and they're able to make these changes. They're not doing this excessive exercise. And I'll give you guys an example. Here's what most people do when they want to help someone lose weight or they themselves want to lose weight. They go from what we call a couch potato here in the United States, right? Someone mm-hmm. who's sitting around drinking soda, crushing uh, you know, chips or crisps or lots of Doritos and Oreo cookies and all this stuff and just sit on the couch and watch TV. That is a very stressful place for the metabolism to be. As a matter of fact, people who are couch potatoes oftentimes have low energy, have increased hunger, have increased cravings, can't sleep, have unpredictable moods because their metabolism is stressed out. And that's what the metabolism does when it's stressed out. Now, imagine taking that couch potato and trying to turn them into an immediate dieter. All of a sudden, they go from one stressful state sitting on the couch and doing nothing to another stressful state, eating nothing but salads and exercising all the time. What's going to happen? They're not going to be successful there either because it's too stressful. Dieters also have craving issues, hunger issues, and metabolism issues that assure they will go back to the couch potato. So most people are bouncing back and forth from the couch potato model, the eat more, exercise less approach, 
to the dieter model, the eat less, exercise more approach. And this is all they know, not realizing that one leads to the other. Doing the eat less, exercise more approach almost always for 90 plus percent of individuals leads to the eat more, exercise less approach. And this is why people lose weight, gain weight, and even gain a little bit more, and then lose some weight, gain some weight, and gain a little bit more. And what happens is they end up fatter in the long run. So research is actually telling us now that dieting in and of itself is a potential and likely cause of weight gain and fat gain. Yeah. In your book, you actually say if you want to get fat and make your fat more stubborn, dieting is the best way to do that. That's exactly right. For That is absolutely true for the vast majority of people who go on these diets. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, and this is the thing. So you're, 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 in, in reality, you're, when, when people are doing that, eat less and exercise more, it's almost their bodies say, fighting back and saying, well, this is too much. We need to go back and it pushes them too much the other way. And they just keep on going back and forth and they never really actually get any sort of, any sort of ground to stand on for any sort of period of time. They're almost, it's almost like you've got a, a gun full of bullets and they're firing all their bullets at once rather than just allowing one bullet to come out of the chamber at a time and getting constant results. Would that be a way to look at it? That's one way to look at it, yeah, except it's also about being very, very smart with your approach because mm-hmm. the metabolism is not like a calculator and it's not like a chemistry set. It's more like a boomerang. It's more like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. It's more like a seesaw. So you have to understand that the more extreme you go mm-hmm. – the more extreme the diet you take, the more extreme the backlash you'll get. And so your over-exercising habit is going to lead to your under-exercising habit. Your mm-hmm. under-eating habit will lead to your overeating habit. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you do it slowly, right? It doesn't right. matter if you're like, oh, I'll just do this slowly over time. Eventually, the metabolism will compensate. Eventually, it will compensate. And here's how to think about this. Eat less, exercise more. After about a period of four to ten days, you are going to compensate. What do I mean by compensate? Well, everyone knows what this is like. Mm -hmm. Basically, people, after three days or so of being on a diet, the first three days suck. Then they feel pretty good and get in a zone for about seven days. And then what happens? Then all of a sudden, they start getting cravings, low energy, hunger, and they can't stay on that diet. Or they stay on that diet and they see that their results start to slow or stop completely. Mm -hmm. This is compensation happening, and it happens in about four to ten days with an eat less, exercise more approach. And so what I'm essentially saying is stop the dieting madness by focusing on eat less, exercise more, and do it a better way. There are two better ways. There's the hunter-gatherer way or the ancient um, sort of, uh, human way. You can also look at this as the traditional European way, which is a very eat less, exercise less approach. If you're not exercising a ton, you're not going to be that hungry. You're going to eat more sparingly and you can, can control that and you will effortlessly be able to maintain or lose weight. This is You can think about the traditional Parisian. It's changing in Europe now as well, But think about the traditional Parisian. They wake up, they have a croissant, they uh, walk everywhere they go. Maybe they have a small amount of cheese and bread for lunch. Then they have some vegetables and meat for dinner. 
their calorie intake for that day is relatively light. They also walk everywhere they go, but they're definitely not exercising. And so I'm making a distinction here between you have to move as a human, so you have to walk, but they're not exercising like crazy, and they stay very lean. Now, on the other end of that is the eat more, exercise more approach, which would be the conventional athlete, right? No athlete in their right mind is going to cut calories. They're going to eat for their sport. So when we talk about rugby and we talk about soccer or uh, you know, American football, we're talking about athletes who eat more and move more, mm-hmm. and their bodies reflect that. They look great. Those are the bodies that we want. They tend to be more lean. They tend to be more muscular. These people are not eating less and exercising more. And so I oftentimes say, and I know you probably have this conversation a lot as well, Ryan. I mean, it's, it's funny, right? People want to look like athletes, and then they use an approach that is nothing like an athlete approach. Mm-hmm. Athletes do not eat less and exercise more. They eat more and exercise more. And so now we have these two other models. Eat less, exercise less. You're still moving. You're still walking. And then eat more, exercise more. Right? And you're still walking. So both of these contain walking. But one is not a lot of food, not a lot of exercise. Another is a lot of food and a lot of exercise. And these two approaches are less stressful for the metabolism because input, intake and output, intake of energy and output of energy are more closely matched, which does not stress out the metabolism as much, which means the metabolism can maintain that without compensating for longer. Now, eventually, the metabolism may compensate, but some people can live in these two states indefinitely. Soon as you move to one of the other extremes, you're either going to get fat, eat more, exercise less, or you're going to get lean for a minute, lose some fat for a second, and then rebound and gain even more fat later with eat less, exercise more. So the people who are successful are either consciously or unconsciously moving into one of these other categories, eat less, exercise less, eat more, exercise more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned your book. It's, 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 very, it's why I say to a lot of people, it's really weird, but it's why it's about balancing your metabolism, correct? So it's why some people think that they should be working out every day, but actually the days that they, they, they don't work out and they maybe eat a bit more, they're actually doing them a world of good. Like, I actually feel, I've said it before, so people always say just eat, eat, eat high-calorie foods, or even if people didn't fast and during that eight-hour window, I so said, don't restrict your calories. Eat some, eat some good foods. And they're like, oh, I'm actually leaner as well it's because your body's getting the nutrients it needs and you're actually not you're not um, stressing your metabolism. You've got to balance it out. So people even – because in your book, you, you said there, you talk a lot about keeping your heck in check, and that's what you just mentioned a lot for people there, hunger, energy, cravings, correct? Yeah, um, absolutely. So – and you talk about insulin, and you also talk about how – they want to get insulin checked. It can, if if you get it down too low, it can be a problem because it it starts to affect your leptin. Um, so that's something I just want to talk about in a minute. But you actually recommend in your book. You say for people doing this for a couple of weeks, you do the exercise, eat more, exercise less, which is less food, um, less frequently, eating around about three meals a day. But you're doing lots of rest and recovery. You're doing maybe a couple of weight training sessions a week. Um, but you're doing a lot of you're doing walking, so humans are meant to walk, walk for an hour a day, uh, but no high intensity exercise, um, which a lot of people will sound counterintuitive because they think, oh, as you say, you've got to eat, eat less, exercise more. Um, 
Because if they're doing that, they're probably thinking, well, where's the energy? Where's the, where's the um, deficiency in my calories? So, if you, where, well, just switch for them, uh, Jade. Where is the deficiency in the calories if they're doing that? Mm-hmm. But you're still creating, in order to lose fat, mm-hmm. right? In order to lose weight, lose fat, you need two things. You need one, a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. And you need two, hormonal balance. In right. other words, you need your hormones to be in a particular way. And what? And and let me be clear on this: why? Because hormones are what control hunger and mm-hmm. cravings and energy and all of these things. So you want those hormones to be balanced. Otherwise, if they're not balanced, then any weight that you lose or any calorie deficit you create will only be temporary. So you need those two things in order to create hormonal balance. You cannot have the the deficit, the calorie spread, be too large because then the hormones will compensate because they think you're starving. And so you can still create a calorie deficit. It's being created. When you do eat less, exercise less, you're creating the calorie deficit with food, right? Mm -hmm. You're eating, it's coming mainly from your food because you're eating sparingly and you're not really exercising a lot. You are moving, you are walking, but it's mainly coming from food. Now with eat more, exercise more, you're creating that calorie deficit with movement. So you're eating a lot, And then you create the calorie deficit with a lot of movement on top of that. But in both of these states, the calorie deficit is there. It's just more narrow. It's not the spread isn't as wide. And by the way, with eat more, exercise more, you certainly could use that to gain muscle, Mm -hmm. which you need a calorie excess for. Mm -hmm. So you also could go the other way and create a slight calorie excess with eat more, exercise more for muscle gain. And so that's the way to be thinking about this. Yes, you still must create a calorie deficit, but here's the way to look at this. Uh, I look at it like this. Do you need to count calories? In my opinion, you don't. So remember, I said you have two things you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Hormonal balance. How do you know that your hormones are balanced? Well, if your hunger, energy, and cravings, H-E-C, heck, if your heck is in check, your hormones are balanced. And if you're, you've lost weight at the end of that week-long period where you're assessing, then you've created a calorie deficit. You do not need to count. Heck is in check. That means your hormones are bound. I lost weight. That means I've, I've uh, re- created a calorie deficit. I don't need to count that. Now, you could do it the other way and calculate your macros and your calorie level and then try that diet. If it keeps heck in check, great. But if heck goes out of check, you need to adjust those calorie levels and macro to put heck back in check. So these are two different ways that you can achieve these different states I'm talking about. So one way is don't count calories. Heck in check. Am I losing weight? Perfect. Or count, you know, go ahead and set your calories ahead of time. Just realize that you got to keep heck in check. So if you're, you're going to have to adjust those calories. And that's the way to do this. Most people try to treat it the other way. They go, oh, someone gave me a macro number and a calorie level. I'll try my best to meet that, not realizing that, well, if you're, that may or may not work. If your heck goes out of check, then that's not the calorie level that your body feels comfortable with. You're throwing your hormones out of balance. So you're going to have to change things to get it back in balance. And it's pretty simple once you understand that. It's just tweaking and adjusting. It's, it's being a detective rather than a dieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
Yeah, that's the thing. I think I've heard you say before as well. There's there's just one rule that matters, and it's something I say to my it's the truth, which is do what works for you, right? So when when you're doing this, and you mentioned to go, you say in your book you want you to do two weeks of eat 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 um, exercise more, uh, eat less, and then two weeks after that of exercise more, um, eat more. Um, and in and, and that you're talking about doing um, because otherwise metabolism slows down, so you switch from doing the not doing much many, many lifting exercises, so you start to do four meals a day, two protein and veg based meals, two regular meals with starch after a workout, preferably uh, metabolic chain workouts, like four metabolic chain workouts, two rest interval workouts, and then two hours of walking. It's a lot to get in for some people, two hours of walking a day, but I get where you're coming from. This is this is why you mentioned there about the intimate, or if you're doing macros, for example, people trying to hit their trying to hit their macros and trying to hit maybe their daily calories. Your studies have shown, I'm pretty sure that that rather than you having the same amount of calories every day, when you do undulate them, the results are even better. Right? Correct? Because your body's continuously kept guessing. That's exactly right. That's exactly the way it works, and that's partly why. You use the cycling approach. Mm -hmm. You don't have to use the cycling approach, but it works way better when you give your body time in sort of an eat less, exercise less approach, and then time in an eat more, exercise more approach. And women can even match this with their menstrual cycle. Females during the follicular phase, the first two weeks of the menstrual cycle, do better with more exercise and more food. The last two weeks, they do better with less exercise and less food. Men can do this too, the, the, especially when it comes to stubborn body fat. This is, so, this is something I wanted to get into with you, Jade. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. C- carry on. I, I also wanted to ask you before you could get on the menstrual cycle because a lot of, well, hopefully a lot of the listeners haven't listened to the show, so they're actually off the pill. But I also wanted you to talk about how the pill would affect this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll talk about that first. The menstrual cycle, right, is a, is a time where the hormones are fluctuating. Mm-hmm. Estrogen and progesterone impact lots of different things. There was receptors for estrogen and progesterone all over the body, not just in the uterus and ovaries. They are receptors in the fat cells. They're receptors in the muscle. There are receptors in the brain. And so during the first two weeks of the menstrual cycle, this is a period of time where progesterone is low and estrogen is higher, relatively speaking, compared to progesterone. Well, estrogen is a hormone like male testosterone that helps women burn fat at more at uh, more fat during exercise and maintain some muscle. It also helps with uh, insulin sensitivity. So when estrogen levels are high for a woman, they can uh, be less stress reactive, more insulin sensitive. They can handle more exercise, and they're less likely to store fat in a calorie excess. Mm. They're more likely to store muscle in a calorie excess. So this is a great time to do eat more, exercise more. So just two weeks that, before, two weeks before the menstrual cycle. Two weeks. So the start of the menstrual cycle is day one of bleeding. Right. And so 14 days from that period until right. ovulation. Right. And that would be eat more, exercise more. Right. And then... And After that, you move into the luteal phase, which is where you have estrogen and progesterone are both high, but progesterone starts to dominate. Now, progesterone makes you a little, opposes the action of estrogen. So now you are a little, as a woman, a little more insulin resistant and a little bit more, you're still pretty good with stress, but you're more insulin resistant. So now you're going to eat less 
and exercise less and take it easy a little bit. Part of the reason this works as well is because women are more stress sensitive during this time because of some of the changes that are going on in their brain towards the end of the menstrual cycle when estrogen and progesterone fall, right? So all of a sudden they start getting cravings, they start getting hungry, they start getting energy being unpredictable and unstable. And so at that point, you want to ease off on food, be very gentle with your movement patterns because you don't want to upset this, this balance. And then you start the cycle over again. Now, lots of times women say to me, they say, well, I'm really not uh, 14 days. Every woman's different. You know, the, the length of the per- period yeah. is different. So no big deal. Just do EMEM for two weeks and then do ELEL until the menstrual period starts. That might be 10 days, might be seven days, might be, you know, 14 days, right? So you just do that ELEL until, the me- until menses hits, then you start over again. Mm-hmm. This is the way this can work. One other, one other clinical pearl is when estrogen and progesterone fall in the brain of a woman, it changes other brain chemicals like GABA, which is the number one relaxing neurotransmitter, serotonin, which is sort of a relaxing self-esteem brain chemical, and dopamine, which is a focus and motivation chemical. Well, one of the things that you can do to help with dopamine and serotonin is cocoa, cocoa powder mixed in water, not chocolate because you don't really want the fat and the sugar and the calories, but cocoa powder, the same kind of cocoa you put in chocolate cakes, can help balance brain chemistry at that time. Also, herbal teas that contain things like lemon balm and valerian and chamomile and things like this have gabinergic properties, so you can use that as well to help with sleep and this can work very well for women so is this was this um during the menstrual cycle or after it well the menstrual cycle is the whole thing so the so menstrual I mean, period, so I mean, menstrual period yeah i mean is, yeah this, is, this, was, this, this was, would be this would be right before it right okay be right before it so you've actually got a product haven't you craving uh, cocoa i've seen it's on metaboliceffect.com and that i'm guessing that's the the basis behind it that's part of the basis behind it yes that product works really well for uh, women during their uh, period, for sure. Now, here's a little bit, this is going to get a little complicated, but um, I'll, there is another way to look at cycling the diet with the, uh, with the period. You can, break the, you can also break the period up into four different parameters. You can go early follicular phase, which is the first, the, 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 the week of the menstrual cycle, the week of bleeding. Mm-hmm. Then you can have late follicular phase, Right. Then you can have early luteal phase just after ovulation and late luteal phase just before your period. Now, late luteal phase just before the period and early follicular phase the week of the period are the lowest estrogen times. They are also a pretty volatile time. But one thing that estrogen does do, people get confused because they're like, well, Jade, you're saying estrogen is a fat burning hormone. But how come women have more fat than men if that is the case? They tend to be more high body fat because estrogen is a fat-burning hormone globally, but it, is, it, help, it makes women less likely to burn fat from certain areas, specifically the breast, the hips, the butt, the thighs. And so if you're trying to lose weight specifically from the lower body as a woman, if you're a heavy-set woman on the lower body, a pear-shaped woman, who wants to burn fat from the lower body, estrogen amplifies alpha receptors, 
which slow fat loss from the lower body. And so if you really want to attack that particular area, then you would amplify, you would, you would amplify your exercise approach during times when the estrogen is lowest, which would be late luteal phase, early follicular phase. And so there's many ways to use the period, the menstrual cycle, to help with fat loss. I just gave you two of them. Mm -hmm. One is to cycle the ratio of estrogen and progesterone, follicular phase versus luteal phase, EMEM in the follicular phase when estrogen is higher than progesterone, and then ELEL in the luteal phase when progesterone is higher than estrogen. That's one way to help burn global fat from the female physique. If you're trying to attack stubborn lower body fat, you can actually do EMEM, eat more, exercise more, in the late luteal phase, early follicular phase mm -hmm. when estrogen levels are lower to attack lower body fat. So it's basically just change slightly switching over the, the, the 14-day period that you do each of these. So you push it, exactly. you, you switch it over from almost two weeks, two weeks, and then it's almost been like a one block, two week, one block. Well, it's a two block, it goes back, but you're looking at it in a four-week period. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll say this just to kind of clarify for those who are a little more savvy, and I apologize, I know some people are probably like, oh my God, Jade, I'm so confused right now. So <laughs> don't get too confused, just realize that most people can just cycle two weeks on, two weeks off in mm -hmm. the original way. But if you're going to use the low estrogen time to attack lower body fat, you can use either ELEL or EMEM. Whichever one creates the bigger calorie deficit is probably the one you should use there. So you can use either one, right? It's just that we're taking advantage of the fact that estrogen is low during that time which will allow the body to release more fat from the lower body at that time. Yeah. So it's a sophisticated, complex thing. Most women would want to have a coach to help them do this, yeah. but I'm, I'm just giving you sort of some of the science behind it, what's worked well for me. Yeah, I know, I completely get it. And as you say, people can grab a book and have a look at it um, themselves. But you mentioned there, just, just a little bit more on it, because you mentioned your book, you mentioned about the, 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 the beta cells there. But you've got alpha and beta receptors, sorry. Um, just for people out there, what, what, what are they? What roles do they play? Because you mentioned a bit before, it's about getting to the stubborn areas like men. We're going to go into men in a little bit because you can't leave the men out. Um, yep, yep. About love handles and their belly and women around their, their, their bum and, and their legs, etc. Southern body fat, maybe their boobs. So, what are these alpha and beta receptors? Yeah, so alpha and beta receptors are receptors that the our fat burning hormones bind to. The catecholamines, adrenaline, noradrenaline, they bind to these receptors, and these receptors are associated. They are uh, congregated in the fat tissue. Right. So, alpha receptors are. You can think of alpha A for alpha anti burn. They slow fat release from certain areas. You can think of beta, B for beta burn. They speed fat loss from certain areas. And so different areas of the body contain different proportions of alpha and beta receptors. So for example, with men, they have a high concentration of alpha receptors in the love handle area. For women, they have a high concentration of alpha receptors in the lower body, mm -hmm. right? So this is why when men, by the way, there's more concentration of beta receptors in the front of the stomach for men. This is why for men, if they start exercising more, 
they typically, you can see their belly fat in the front of their belly shrink pretty quickly, mm -hmm. but their love handles always lag behind, mm -hmm. right? This yeah. is because in Very the front funny. of the belly, they're beta, they're beta, faster fat release. In the back of the, you know, the love handle area, it's alpha. So you might say, well, Jade, what does this look like? Many women and many men will say, I feel like my waist is getting bigger or my legs are getting bigger as I lose weight. That's not true. You're losing weight from all over the body, but you're losing weight faster from certain areas, mm. right? So a woman might lose fat from the breasts and the belly and the arms, but have slow fat release from the lower body fat. So they go from a pear shape to a smaller but more pronounced pear shape because they have burning fat all over, but more slowly from the lower body. Same with guys. They burn fat faster from the arms and legs. And then more slowly from the belly, especially the love handles. How do you solve this issue? Cycling the diet, like we talked about, from ELEL -E to EMEM, -E actually helps to control this. Because after about two weeks of dieting, thyroid receptors fall a little bit. And what happens is thyroid receptors uh, prime the, some of these other receptors. So there's a relationship between thyroid and the catecholamines, and the beta and the alpha receptors. More thyroid hormone, more activity of beta receptors. Less thyroid hormone, more activity of alpha receptors. And so you do not want to go too long in any of these states because you don't want the hormones to begin to downregulate. You want to keep them up and elevated, and you can do this by shifting from one approach to the next approach back and forth. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. 100% makes sense. And this is why it's, it's a really good day because there's a couple of things I actually want to uh, touch on because I know that a lot of people, one of the things, uh, spot reduction. Do you, do you, I mean, there's a lot of things out there like biosignature from polyquin, a lot of people doing that, like saying you can manipulate hormones to get spot reduction there. And then people sitting there doing crunches to try and burn belly fat. What's your take on this, Jade? Spot reduction in the way that it's normally talked about is not really possible. Well, actually, I'll, I'll say this. It is possible. It's been shown to be possible. Actually, it's been shown in studies that if you exercise the left leg and leave the right leg, uh, you know, you exercise the left leg harder than the right leg, you'll see more fat released from the left leg. The problem is it's such an infinitesimally small amount. It would be like taking two drops out of a swimming pool. It's not a significant enough amount to make a difference. Plus, we don't, the body then is smart, so it will repartition its fat to normalize things. So spot reduction in the current way we think about it has not yet been proven to really be successful or uh, the ability to have it make a difference. Research has shown it is true, so you'll see people saying, well, research has shown you can spot reduce. Research has shown that you can burn fat from local areas that are being worked harder but that doesn't translate into being able to actually make a difference in the way the body looks. So I'm not talking about spot reduction here. Right now, spot reduction, we can say pretty clearly, does not work in the way that people say. You cannot exercise, you can't do a bunch of crunches and expect fat to come off the midsection. Right. Just doesn't work that way. What we're talking about is more um, spot targeting. Right, using the diet and exercise and cycling it in a way to take advantage of this alpha and beta chemistry. And by the way, even with that, it still can be very difficult to do. Um, but we're not talking about spot reduction here, not in the traditional way that most people think about it. Yeah, 100%. I get you. And um, 
this is just a, I want to get into men in a bit as well. I know it's to just touch on how the, the pill affects people, but one of the keys is because what happens is it's like you, you probably dealt with, I've dealt with lots of clients myself. You probably know you, you have, and you've got books, book out, and everything. It's really hard to, to write one diet for everyone, but this is why it's very good, this book, because it's getting people to understand, listen to their body, understand, do what works for you, chop and change, don't keep things. And this is it. A lot of people always want to plan to stick with it, and they get fixed in that mindset, and they're like, oh my god, well, I need to eat less um, and exercise more, or they get stuck in one phase. Have you found that people find it hard to chop and change because they're so used to just following one approach and they almost get stuck in it? Because you know the, the way, just because of the way society is, they try and tell people you've got to move more or you've got to do this and you don't have to understand the metabolism that well. Have you found that to be a problem or have you found that it, most people can get to deal with it quite easily? Yeah, I have found it to be a problem. But the truth of the matter is as long with as long as people start understanding that it's really about finding what works for them and being a detective, it doesn't really matter, right? Because ultimately, if someone stays and eat less, exercise less, and they live in that lifestyle, because they will sometimes be slightly at normal calorie levels, sometimes slightly lower, and sometimes slightly more, they can just maintain. And if they want to speed things up a little bit, they can just eat less in that state, use food to drive the calorie levels. But it's pretty good. That's what's beneficial about these things because the calorie deficit is so narrow that one you know, slight you know, sort of variation in diet one way or the other is not going to make a huge difference. You might not lose a lot of weight, but you're not going to gain a lot of weight either. The body is going to regulate there. So people can live and eat less, exercise less, and people can live and eat more, exercise more. Yeah. As a matter of fact, what will typically happen is that if you just live in these states, some people will compensate, and they need to understand that even in these more balanced states, some people's metabolisms will eventually compensate, and you'll either hit a plateau or you'll start to reverse your progress. But if you want to get super lean, typically less than 10% for men and less than 15% for women, which is arguably, you know, most women, I would argue, wouldn't want to go that low, but let's say lower than 20% for women, you're probably going to need to be cycling the diet. And so this cycling approach is for people who are trying to get even leaner than the average, you know, typically. Mm -hmm. It's also for people who have been stuck, overweight people who aren't that lean, who have been stuck for a long period of time. But you don't necessarily have to, um, do this indefinitely. There's many ways to do it. I talk about this in the book you're referring to. You don't need to do two weeks on or two weeks off. This would just be something you do for maybe 12 weeks to get the results that you want after you've been stuck mm -hmm. for months and months and months and months. After that, you can move into understanding that on the days you train hard, you need to eat a little bit more. And on the days you train less, you shouldn't eat much, right? So some people just use that. Days they train hard, they eat more. Days they train less, they eat less. Mm -hmm. Actually, most people who do this, you know, there's probably people saying, no, duh, Jade, I, I do this naturally. Well, exactly. You're doing exactly what I'm saying. You're just doing it day to day, Dang, right? Is, yeah. you, you also can do it, and this is how our hunter-gatherer ancestors did it. During the winter months, they ate less and exercised less. A keto diet and an intermittent fasting diet are just simply an eat less, exercise less approach. That's what these things are. Mm -hmm. You know, typically if you're on a, a low a keto diet, you're not going to want to be training hard. You know, you, you basically keto, intermittent fasting, low calorie diets. These are all great approaches for eat less, exercise less. 
our humans, our ancestors, encountered keto, a ketogenic approach, almost every winter. They went into ketosis. Then in the spring, when they came out of it, they are, it warmed up. They were moving more, trying to find food, but food wasn't that abundant yet, and the, the animals were much leaner with less calories. So that was more like an eat less, exercise more approach that they were in. And so they spent spring in sort of this eat less, exercise more approach. Then summer came along, right? And all of a sudden, especially late summer, now you got lots of fruits, you got lots of vegetables, you got lots of meats and things like that. Eat more, exercise more. Then fall comes around and all of a sudden you got tubers and more starches and things like that. Animals are getting fatter and fatter. It's getting colder, so you're starting to move less. You move into an eat more exercise less approach. And then the whole thing starts over again. And so you can cycle this according to seasons. Mm -hmm. You can cycle this according to days, or you can cycle it throughout the month. Like I talked about, the point is our metabolism is not meant to stay in one state indefinitely. And by trying to force it to do that, you are actually creating problems for yourself. This is the reason why you can't lose weight. This is the reason why your metabolism is getting more stubborn because it's not designed to do that. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And this, this is brilliant. You just said that, people. This is what I try and tell people to do on a daily basis. Uh, sometimes, even though I practice intermittent fasting a lot, sometimes I'll just chuck in a breakfast. Or, or um, generally, I'll eat about one, 12 or 1 or, or 8 or 9 at night. It's a bit later than some people. But then sometimes I'll just chuck in a breakfast. Or and other days, I'll just take a couple of days without training. And other days, I'll do three days on the balance of training. Or maybe I'll do two on one off. And it's just keep my body guessing it, but I do it just today and how I and how, based on how I feel and that's one of the things that you said as well getting you sort of you, I think you mentioned it in your, in your book as well the law of multitasking was that is that sort of what you were trying to say yep that's exactly what I'm trying to say is the body is not you know it's the equivalent of trying to pat your head and rub your belly for the metabolism mm -hmm. it does not like to be burning fat and building muscle at the same time it wants to be building both or burning both mm -hmm. the anabolic or catabolic and what happens is if you want to burn fat and maintain muscle, you got to get pretty savvy about doing that. And so this uh, law, these four different toggles, I call them metabolic toggles, these switches of eat less, exercise less, eat more, exercise more, eat less, exercise more, eat more, exercise less. These are the, the ways you can manipulate your metabolism to help it multitask better and to help it avoid this compensation effect. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. As you say, and the body, it, when we talk about natural health issues or whatever it is, the body always adapts. It's the same reason why you change your strain of probiotics. It's the same reason why you change, you rotate your food. You know, you might get different enzymes as well. We get different metabolic effect. So it's just keeping the body guessing, and it's just making sure that it doesn't stagnate, which is exactly what you're saying here, which people just need to understand. And it is, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, in some ways, it's so obvious, but in today's world of people just eating the same, getting their routine, it maybe isn't as obvious because people are just so set in their ways. So it's really, it's a really good way of looking at things as well. And it also maybe it allows people to say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't, um, I ate a bit more today, but I didn't actually exercise as much as I've been doing. It's fine. Your metabolism will, will, especially sometimes a good thing. Or maybe I've eaten, I've eaten more, and I've exercised more. That's fine as well. It's just to get people to understand. Don't always have to be eating less and exercising more. In fact, doing that all the time is actually going to cause you problems in the long run. 
Um, absolutely. That's absolutely the case. Think about think about right now. Right. It's the holiday season yeah. when we're currently doing this particular podcast. It's the holidays. <laughs> it's December. It's Christmas time. Many people are home with their families. Mm-hmm. And this is a good time to do an eat more exercise less approach. Yeah. You're not going to do it for more than two weeks or so. Right. Maybe a long weekend, four days or no longer than two weeks in the mm-hmm. context of an otherwise healthy fit, flexible metabolism, this is actually beneficial. The only reason it's bad for most Americans and most Westerners is because they're doing that most of the year. And then they're doing it (laughs) even more during the Christmas time. But imagine you're coming off an eat less, exercise less approach or an eat more, exercise more approach. And then you come into Christmas and you do four to 10 days of eat more, exercise less. Yeah, you might gain some water weight, But you're not going to get that fat because your metabolism handles that. You do it for longer. Yeah, you're going to start getting fat. You know, so the idea is to use this intelligently to your advantage. There's nothing wrong with being eating less and exercising more, except for the fact that it's the only approach people try to use. And they try to do it day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Doing that causes the metabolism to compensate. After about two weeks of eating less and exercising more, your metabolism is laughing at you. It's saying, I'm not responding to this anymore. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. Eating, doing what I'm telling you to do, living in these two other states, if you do go back to a short-term eat less, exercise more approach, let's say you got a high school reunion coming up or something like that, at that point, it will work. Yeah. Then you go back to eat more, exercise more, eat less, exercise less to maintain And you don't do it for longer than two weeks because if you do, it's going to backfire on you. So this approach even makes that approach work better. You just simply cannot do it day in and day out, year in and year out. It won't work. And that's why people are struggling. That's why, I mean, fasting for for 72 hours, I mean, he actually has to, this is why intermittent fasting works well for most people because it's sort of giving their body a rest and then it gives them their food or people even on the 5-2 diet for Jimmy Fan, not saying I I say people do their things quite hard, but he has like very small amount of calories one day and then he ate a lot more the next day. He's done really well losing weight on that. It's keeping the metabolism guessing and it's why, oh, sorry, I don't know why my alarm's gone off here. And uh, it's also, it's also, why, for example, they even say fasting for three days completely regenerates the immune system, and they actually have to fast for three days to even drop the metabolism by ten percent. But then it will start to decrease more after that. But that's why it's only for three days, and you eat again. It's just given, as you said before, it's just you've just given a very uh, well-rounded, justifying it scientifically, uh, a view on this that people can just be like, you know what, I can just do, I can do, I can, they can make this as complicated or as or as easy as they want, really. And it's been, it's brilliant that you've gone and done this. I mean, for, you said for males as well, because we want to get into males. And the, and the last thing I do want to talk about is the pill, because so many women uh, are taking the pill and they don't realise it's it's very very toxic for their body. It's, it's been linked to so many different diseases. But one of the things it does do, in fact, we, we're talking about it now. One of the things it does do is. Um, it causes extra weight gain. Have you noticed this, Jaden, in your in your um, research or in dealing with your clients? Yeah, well, I, I would disagree with you in terms of it's it's a toxic thing. I know, okay. you know, to me, to me, we all have our different beliefs. I'm not really big on, you know, um, I, you know, there are millions and millions of women who take hormonal contraceptive pills. Mm-hmm. Many of them, most of them, I would say, do fine with it. Um, many of them do gain weight on it. Some of them, a minor- minority actually lose weight on it. And this is because we are all very different. And so 
from my clinical experience tells me that not all women will gain weight. Some absolutely will. Certain certain uh, types of uh, contraceptive, the Marina IUD, some of these things are notorious for causing uh, weight gain. But mm-hmm. some women will actually lose weight. Some women need to be on this for other reasons than contraception. So I don't want to scare women off from taking these pills, but let's talk about how they work. What most of them are doing, H- HRT, contraceptive hormones, whether through an IUD or through a patch or through a pill, are pretty much putting you in a higher estrogen progesterone state similar to the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. And so it's basically putting you in a perpetual luteal phase. And so it's making you, some women, a little bit more insulin resistant, right? It's definitely helping with stress somewhat as well. So what that means is most women who gain weight on the pill, if they just simply watch their carbohydrate intake a little bit more than they were before. Carbohydrates and proteins both will elevate insulin levels. They can do a little bit better on these pills. Um, So that's one particular approach. But it's going to be different for many women. Um, So, uh, But that's what it's doing. It's putting you in a a more luteal phase, which is why some women will gain weight because they don't change their diet. So clinical pearl for you women out there who are on and do need to be on, you may want to just simply watch your carbohydrate intake a little bit, control insulin a little bit better, and you may find that those work better for you. Same goes for HRT, uh, hormone replacement therapy for menopausal women. I prefer bioidentical hormones for them, but same kind of thing. What the research shows is that there is either no effect on weight gain or a slight increase in weight gain for most women, not all. And that's pretty much what I've seen uh, across the board for both HRT and uh, oral contraceptives. I will say this, though. The research also shows that HRT, at least for menopausal women, while it may help make them gain a little bit of weight, it does keep the waist smaller. And I'll say this, Ryan, and a lot of people don't understand this, but I think you'll get this. We all hear this whole thing about fast metabolism, right? Mm. Getting in the cold will speed up your metabolism. Taking, uh, you know, hormone replacement therapy will speed up your metabolism. Eating, you know, taking ephedrine or caffeine or anything that speeds up your metabolism. It sounds good, right? The problem is anytime you speed up your metabolism, you also speed up your hunger, right? Yeah. And so what many women, what happens to many women, the weight gain that they get on contraceptive pills is not the pills themselves. It's because they are overcompensating with this increase in uh, metabolic rate that comes with hormones also comes with an increase in uh, appetite. And nowadays, our hunter-gatherers, it wouldn't matter because they would be eating roughage and lean meats. But nowadays, we can eat cheesecake and pizza and accumulate 2,000 calories in one meal. And so oftentimes, this is what's happening um, with women who are on hormones. Now, that's sort of the story from my clinical experience on hormones, but you wanted to talk about men as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I say to people as well, go and do your own research and listen to me and Jane and, and on, on that and whatever. As it says, as we've been talking about the whole podcast, really, you've got to do what works for you, and that's the key. And I want to talk about men because, um, 
obviously, I mean, women in the industry, they want to deal, get rid of their southern areas, bingo wings and stuff like that, and, and their lower body areas especially. But with men, it's generally male belly fat moves, uh, moves like male boobs and then love handles. But for you, you've mentioned in your book, the formula for a six-pack is P plus V times SL plus IE. So what does that mean? And just because just for a simple, just break it down for people simple, uh, simply. And um, yeah, what, what are the benefits of doing it? Yeah, so, so basically all I'm saying there is protein and vegetables are going to satisfy you because protein, fiber, and water are very satiating and have lower calories. So all I'm saying is if you want to understand how to burn belly fat, you have to understand it's about both calories and hormones. So eating more protein and vegetables, less starch and fat, automatically without even trying, lower your calorie intake and satiate you as well. So you want to eat 90% of your food in that form. Big salads, soups, scrambles, protein shakes with lots of vegetables. And then add enough starch and fat, salt, alcohol to enjoy your meals. But it's going to be mainly protein and veggies. Mm. Soups, salads, scrambles, and shakes, right? But on top of that, that's, this is where the, the stress comes in part. You want to also control insulin and cortisol. Well, the protein and veggies without the starch and fat control insulin. How do you control cortisol? You reduce your, uh, your levels of cortisol. You do that through doing short, intense workouts, which will elevate things like human growth hormone and testosterone. And you also do long duration, slow, relaxing stuff like walking. Mm-hmm. And that will reduce cortisol levels. And so for men, when you think about the key to belly fat, it's 90% of your meals, protein and veggies, short, intense workouts using weights. So, you know, think something like CrossFit might be a good modality here. These Those workouts are typically anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes and pretty intense. And then lots of walking to lower cortisol. And you have a really good formula for belly fat without getting so into the science of it. So it is watch your pro watch your starch and fat intake, eat mostly protein and vegetables, do 3 to 4 short intense workouts per week that include weight training and walk 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 in a slow relaxed fashion to lower cortisol. There's other ways you can lower cortisol too. Sex does it. Um, you know, hanging out with, uh, you know, loved ones, sleeping, napping, meditation. Uh, there are other ways to do it, but walking is the best. Walking is the best exercise to, and I really don't call it exercise because it's just activity, uh, yeah. daily, daily living. It's a movement, but it simultaneously sensitizes the whole body to insulin and lowers cortisol without elevating hunger. And it's one of the only forms of movement that does that. So walking has to be your base. Yeah, walking is so underrated. It's something I always say to people, just go and walk. Because we always talk about, I deal with a lot of people with chronic issues. And um, always, a lot of people just want to be going, and they don't realize whether also their body's in starvation mode, their body wants to heal, and they keep on working out. And I say to them, you've got to work in. You've got to give your body the time, the, the, the actual um energy, the actual resources to even start to heal and things like you just mentioned that meditation, qigong, tai chi, 
walking, things like that are just phenomenal for, as you say, rebalancing the body as well as people understand how much you start doing an hour walking a day, people will drop a lot of fat from that. Um, it's actually ridiculous how the people how fat people can actually burn from it. It's one of the reasons why, Jay. It's funny people go on a holiday. And, and they're like, well, I was out, I, don't know, I, was, I was eating because I people on holiday generally relax their diet, I might have a few more drinks. And like, well, I drank every night and I had dessert every day and, and, and we're eating. And also, you don't go OTT. They're like, well, I had dessert every day and I was eating and drinking what I wanted really. But I come back and I actually feel like I might have lost a bit of weight. And it's generally because when people are on holiday, they don't get cabs everywhere, they walk. And they might be walking for like one, two hours a day, something they don't usually do. And they come back and their body's actually responded to it. Have you noticed this at all? Yep, I've noticed it at all, and I would say that that's absolutely true. And probably the main reason that's happening is because they did what? They moved into yeah, another yeah, exactly. toggle. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, instead of, instead of st- living in one toggle their whole life, you know, eat less, exercise more, they moved into another one. Either eat less, exercise less, or eat more, exercise more, or eat more, exercise less. And that short period caused the metabolism to come back online again. Yeah, 100%. And it's one of the, we've mentioned it before as well. It's one of the, when people do CrossFit, just, I'm going to let you go in a minute now, Jake. I know we've had you on for a while. But just people do CrossFit and they, all of a sudden they change their diet. They're doing paleo and, and they're doing a lot of high intensity workouts and, and they get some good weight loss to begin with and maybe even change the physique a bit. And they, but it comes to about the six to nine month period and they just hit a wall and they wonder why, why things aren't, things aren't progressing. They're not changing anymore. And it, once again, it's because of what Jay talked about here. They're in the same modality the whole time. Their body's this compensated. It's adapted, it's adjusted. And that's where you have to, I would almost say, um, you just have to take a different approach and you're going to notice uh, big results. I don't know if you've dealt with many people in the CrossFit industry, but I see people do that quite a lot. They hit a wall. Same with any any sort of exercise. They hit a wall. And it's because they haven't changed things up and they've been doing it for such a long while. Their body's just adapted. Yep. Uh, one, of the, one of the clinical pearls I can give you there is what's happening is a lot of times people come in, they're not that fit. They have higher blood sugar levels, higher resting insulin levels. It, they get great results in the beginning because their body's not efficient at burning either fat or sugar. But it's no longer it's, – it's not either one. What then happens is they become more flexible, the metabolism back online, and now the metabolism is looking for fuel. And so for most of these people, simply adding in carbohydrates in and around their workouts instead of trying to be strict paleo mm-hmm. actually helps them not uh, – get poor results helps them get better results so most of those people i'll say okay so you've been doing paleo no carbs working out like crazy at work for three months now you're starting to hit the wall the reason why is because your body can now tolerate carbohydrates you need to add them back uh preferably before and after your workouts and you will do wonderful that's just a real quick clinical pearl for most people who if you find yourself in that situation jade uh, that's blasphemy. You can't use the word carbohydrate, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Can't, you, can't, you can't have carbs. You know, bad, bad news, apparently. But um, yeah, I completely understand and I completely agree with you. And it's just something that, especially, and it's, it's always when people, this comes around. I know now things go in, in cycles. You know, if everything's having protein added to it now, oh my god. Uh, the next thing ever be adding probiotics. If we think, uh, even though that some of them would be not not the best strains, and then I think carbohydrates, carbs will be back. People will be to eat carbs again and I always say to people it's not no carbs it's the right carbs at the right time <laughs> and that's a big difference uh, and also yeah, having, having, yeah, as, you, as you know having the right carbs having a, an organic potato is a lot different to having a loaf of bread um, a non-organic loaf of bread correct you know and having a different time so 
Jade, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, I'd love to get you back on sometime, but the best place to find you, I mentioned before, um, for your products, is it jadetita.com or is it metabolicaffect.com or both great? I know you've got programs on both. Uh, yeah, jadetita.com and at jadetita on Instagram is probably the best place to get me. Awesome. So, guys, you've heard that. Um, thanks very much, Jade, um, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. All right, Ryan. Be have, well, my friend. Have a great Christmas as well. You too. Merry Christmas. So, guys, that was episode 47 with Dr. Jade Teter. I hope you learned a lot. I'm guessing you did because metabolism, as I mentioned before the show, is something that's not greatly talked about and a lot of people don't understand it. So everything he's talked about there, keeping your heck in check, eat, move, um, sorry, eat, eat less, move less, eat more, move more, and every other variable of that, as well as everything else we talked about, hormones, um, exercising more exercising it's just it's just a whole host of different um protocols in there things to think about and if you'd understand it's not as simple as just eating less and moving more you know there's lots of factors at play so i hope you really enjoyed that okay guys um next week's show is with i think dr livingstone all about stopping the binge and never binge again author of never binge again pretty sure it's either that or with terry tillard all about type 1 diabetes so we'll see um but either way guys stay happy stay healthy if you need any help then head on over to www.reviveyourself.co and you've got a free four-day um gut revival mini course there lots of articles there or you can just drop me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co if you're looking for any one-to-one advice or one of our programs to help you get through your health issues otherwise guys as always so say stay happy stay healthy love and chi and i'll see you next week bye-bye if you're struggling with gut issues such as gas bloating constipation diarrhea indigestion heartburn and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of the healing health paradigm today 